verse that we used when I was sick is a verse that we realize has been a cornerstone for our whole time together through childhood, before we met, infertility, adoption, and cancer. Here I go again. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. people in here now than they were this morning. Um, you can let the deacons know that I've counted and it's all. Um, good morning. My name is Joey Johnson. This is my wife, Michelle, and our daughter, Mackenzie. Um, Kevin's been asking me for years to uh, share my testimony with the college students, so you know, I never would. And when he asked, um, Michelle and I to share. My first thought was, man, if I had to just share with those college kids, I wouldn't have to be sitting up here today. Um, <laughs> but there was a reason I didn't share then. Um, because I was embarrassed and ashamed of, of who I was. But I've had to tell myself, I'm not that guy anymore. I've changed. God has changed me. And uh, today someone may need to hear my story. Um, so, I didn't go to church as a kid. Um, my family never went to church. We didn't go to church for uh, Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day. We just, we just didn't go to church. Um, I think that um, that whole Jesus revival in the movie missed uh, Crichton, Alabama when it came through back then. Um, I have memories of going to church with my grandma, but I don't think they're actual my memories. I think they're more memories of people telling me that I went to church with my grandma. Um, I do remember watching her watch church on Sunday mornings, but I don't ever recall going to church. But when I was 10, my family, we moved from Crichton, Alabama, out to Sims. And uh, like most kids, I rode the school bus to school and made friends on the school bus. And I made friends with a set of twins. And uh, at some point, they invited me to go to church. And uh, I agreed. I didn't know what church was about, but I, I wanted to go. Um, and a sweet lady named uh, Linda Keeter, most of you know her. God rest her soul. Um, she picked me up, and she brought me to church. And it was the building out next to the airport from the small Westmobile. And uh, I was 13 years old and I gave my life to Christ I fell in love with the church and I, I dove in um, these kids here I went to church there for a couple years uh, but I let something in the church happen uh, that pulled me away and uh, I didn't go back to church for a long, long time. Uh, I'd like to sit up here and tell you that I've lived every day of my life for Christ, but that just that'd be a lie. Uh, by the time I was 16, I was drinking every weekend. I was chasing after girls. 
by the time I was 18, I was, I was doing drugs. And by the time I was in my mid-20s, I was an addict. I was lost. And I know God protected me because there were many nights or days I would wake up not knowing how I got where I was. And if it wasn't for God, I'd be in prison somewhere or dead in a grave. And I'm thankful for that. But at 27, my life changed. I was raised in church my whole life, and sometimes it seems as though we were always at church for Sunday or Wednesday services, as well as for revivals that were at other churches. I was Pentecostal, so there was always a revival somewhere, and my mom, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor when I was two. And she was always giving her testimony at churches, and she could sing so beautifully. I remember going to church and just listening to her sing. And people told me all the time how wonderful she was. She didn't drink, she didn't cuss, she was raised in church her whole life. Um, she may have let a piece of, I mean, a sip of wine touch her tongue, but that was it. Um, they all said that she had the patience of Job. She passed away when I was seven. So I would mostly go to church with my mama Holloway. She helped my daddy raise my brother and I when my mom passed away. And as I got older, I strayed from church. And I only would go once in a while on Mother's Day and for Easter just because Mama Holloway was there and I wanted, you know, to be there with her. I ended up in a very bad, abusive marriage and was actually going through a divorce when I met Joey. I was not looking for any type of relationship at all, and I had actually heard not so great things about him, and never in my lifetime would I ever have been interested in him. <laughs> never. <laughs> yes. Um... I had moved in with a friend, and she lived in the same apartment complex as he did, and he was one of her friends. Joey was the assistant manager at the apartment, so there were several apartments that had Joey's friends in them. It was a great friend group, and we all hung out. Of course, I never saw the terrible things I heard about him. He was always a very nice and respectful person around me, and I never got the impression he was bad as, uh, as bad of a guy as I had heard he was. We started hanging out a lot, and everyone was saying how much he had changed since he, he had met me. Long story short, short he loved me first. <laughs> he did. Trust me. So in 2003, I met a girl that would change my life forever. I quit doing drugs. I quit partying. I cleaned up my life. So we dated for about a year and a half. Um, and during that time, we started going to churches. Uh, trying to find a, a church home. Uh, in 2005, we, uh, we were married, and we tried to start a family immediately. Uh, but because Michelle had been married previously, she knew that she was uh, had trouble with fertility. So um, we almost immediately started trying uh, artificial insemination. And uh, that's very costly, and it lasted for about a year trying. Before our last... Um, our last test, I told her, I said, if this is a negative test this time, 
I don't want to do it anymore. I want to try to save money um, and maybe try uh, in vitro. And uh, so <clears throat> she agreed, and we get the negative pregnancy test. And uh, man, God's, he's a miracle worker. Oh. Michelle's cousin Holly, she lives in uh, Tennessee, and uh, her husband Rodney uh, worked for you know, a large uh, restaurant across the nation. Um, one of his employees had found out that she was pregnant, and uh, she was uh, not in a position to raise a child, and she wanted to put the baby up for adoption. And she came to Rodney, and she told him, and, and Rodney said, don't do anything yet. And uh, so Rodney told Holly, Holly calls Michelle. And uh, Michelle got on the phone with Kenzie's birth mom, and they talked. And she agreed to let us adopt her baby. And they say, I know, Michelle, she's, she's off to Tennessee. She's going to the doctor's appointments and she's seeing them. She's seeing the baby. And uh, she calls me and she says, it's a girl. I was a little disappointed. I wanted a boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I still love you. <laughs> so... Three months later, we had a beautiful baby girl. And uh, so, because of the adoption, because it went so, the time frame was so short, they had to stay in Tennessee for 30 days um, for it to be finalized. And um, Mackenzie got sick. And uh, Michelle called me. She says, Mackenzie's not doing well. And uh, I'm taking her to the doctor. So she goes to the doctor. Doctor says, you need to take her to the hospital. So they transferred her to the hospital. And uh, they immediately started her on antibiotics. They didn't know what was wrong with her, but um, they started her on antibiotics. And uh, Michelle's kind of updating me through this whole process over this like 48 hours. She, uh, she had three spinal taps, um, and they could not figure out what was wrong with her. Fever wouldn't break. So they, uh, they ended up rushing her over to Women's and Children's. And um, I was actually headed to work. I think it was a Friday morning. Um, Michelle calls me and she says that they're fixing to do exploratory surgery on our baby. They didn't know what was wrong with her. And that was the only option that they had. I've never flown in my life. I was scared of flying. But I hopped on the first plane that I could get to Tennessee. And I flew. When I got there, Michelle had been up for 48 hours straight. She hadn't had any sleep. So I walk into the, the NICU, and Mackenzie's laying there, just a few weeks old, a week old. And her body is swollen. She's beet red. And she's got tubes and wires plugged to her. And, and I'm just at a loss. And my first thought is we're fixing to lose our baby. And uh, while I was there, actually, she uh, 
she coded twice. And I watched them bag her and do compression on her little swollen body. And again, I thought I was going to lose. But God had a plan and he healed her. And uh, they were in the hospital for about six more weeks and she finally got to come home in August. Um, so, sorry, I, I must. Um, uh, actually, um, she was diagnosed with epilepsy uh, toward the end of that year, uh, which is also a, a, you know, something else we've had to deal with, with as far as sickness. Um, but Michelle and I were, were going to church, um, the church that she grew up in as a child, and I didn't care for it for whatever reason, um, but Kinsey was dedicated in that church, um, so I, I wouldn't go as often as I should have. Um, so the years go by, and uh, we find ourselves uh, building a house out in Westmobile, and um, I'm working a full-time job, raising a two-year-old. And uh, Michelle started having some health concerns that we chased the answers to for about about uh, six months. And in, in October of 2009, uh, Michelle was diagnosed with brain cancer. And, uh, and it, it all happened so fast. She, she immediately uh, had surgery, uh, radiation, chemo. Um, it was really, really quick. Um, 2010, she started the chemo, and it was the absolute hardest year of our entire lives. Michelle was fighting for her life. I was working 12 hours a day, six days a week, trying to take care of her, trying to raise a child, and it was miserable. Every single time Michelle would take the, the chemo, she would get sick. And when I say sick, I mean the worst, imagine the worst possible sick you can, you can, you can be. Um, for hours... And hours after taking medicine, she was she was in the bathroom sick. Um, so I'm working uh, again six days a week, and it was a Saturday. I'll never forget. I uh, was going to come home from lunch. I was going to bring them lunch, and we we're going to eat lunch, and I'd go back to work. So I stopped in Wendy's, and uh, while I was in the Wendy's drive-thru, I sat there, and it finally hit me uh, everything that, that had happened and what we were going through. I didn't know a lot about cancer. Um, from what I knew about cancer was Michelle's mom had passed away when Michelle was, was seven. Um, her friend um, had passed away just a few years before this from brain cancer. And I'm thinking... I'm fixing to lose my wife. There's no hope. She's going to die from cancer. And uh, for the longest time up until that point, I had thought that God had placed me in her life because of what she had went through as a child and, and as an adult. <laughs> what a fool I was. I realized at that moment that God had placed an earthly angel in my life to save me from the road that I was headed down. And I was about to lose that. I didn't know what I was going to do. How was I going to raise this baby by myself? But 
God had a plan. And he healed her. When I went to the hospital in 2009 and they saw something on the CT and had to do an MRI, I knew. My mom had had a brain tumor. I, I just knew. Um, my daughter was two years old, and I was two years old when my mama was diagnosed. All I could think about was how my husband was going to be raising this baby alone, thinking of all the things I miss not having a mom, and she will be missing the same things. My daddy and my brother here, not only did my mom have a brain tumor and die, but now they were going to have to watch me go through the same thing. But then I got an incredible sense of peace. And when I say I got an incredible sense of peace, I just, I felt like God was telling me everything's going to be okay. And then I didn't sleep. I was on steroids, a high dose of steroids. I know how Lainey feels. <laughs> and um, I didn't sleep maybe 30 minutes a night. And God put the song on me, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. And from that moment on, I knew I was going to be okay. Michelle had wanted to raise McKenzie in church, so we were we would visit churches from time to time. And um, again, I didn't care for her church for whatever reason it was. And uh, we had a uh, some friends of ours, Lucas and Amelia. They members at, at Wemo, and uh, they invited us to come to church at Wemo. And I, I told Michelle, I said, well, I'm actually a member there, uh, <laughs> so we. I'd like to visit again. It's been it's been years, but uh, so, so we started going back to church, um, and I felt really connected with the pastor. Um, I felt like I could understand this message, um, but I wasn't interested in any small groups or, or anything. Um, Michelle and Mackenzie had got plugged in. They were they were in small groups, and Michelle had actually joined Brother Mike Long's Sunday school class, and. Uh, she would come home talking about how amazing it was. And um, I got lost again. Um, so finally, I, uh, I find myself in, in Sunday school class. And I find myself surrounded by all these amazing people that had the similar stories as adoption and as sickness as we did. And then not only in the class, but in in the church, there were so many stories of adoption. And then, you know, at the time, there was so much sickness with cancer and stuff going on. Um, so we, we joined the church. And uh, we were here just about every opportunity. Um, so one Sunday morning, I had uh, I'd gotten up and gotten dressed and then was waiting on the girls to get dressed. And... Um, I told him, I said, I'm going to run to uh, McDonald's and get us some breakfast. And, uh, you know. And so, I had an extremely filthy mouth. Um, I cussed all the time. It was terrible. But when I started raising the daughter, I didn't want her to walk around and say filthy things. And so, I cleaned up the way I talked and I always thought 
I don't cuss in front of my mom or my grandma. Why do I cuss in front of God? Um, so I, I cleaned it up, and and because again, I didn't think it would. I didn't want my daughter using language, and if she didn't hear me say it, then I didn't feel it was she would feel it wasn't appropriate to use that type of language. Um, but I'm sitting in line in, in McDonald's, and I end up in an altercation with a lady over something stupid. And I jump out of the truck, and I told this woman off for everything that I could think of. I used words I had not used in a long time. And as I'm telling her off, I look in the back seat, and there's this little girl looking at me. And this lady looks at me, and she says, you need Jesus. Of all the things that I changed from the person that I was to where I was at that time, I still needed Jesus. And it took that moment to break me, uh, to make me realize that. So we, we come to church, and uh, we're, the Spirit was moving in Brother Mike's class that morning. And, and I don't even know if we had Bible study. I think everybody was just sharing. And uh, I was sharing. I shared what happened. And as I, I sat there, and I just bawled my eyes out. A lady says, uh, I don't don't remember who it was, but she says, I actually taught your daughter in Sunday school. And um, at the end of class, I always ask, does anybody have any prayer requests? And uh, Mackenzie would always say, pray for my dad and that he'll come to church. And she said, look at you now, You're, you're, you're here. I'm here because of prayer for my wife, my daughter, and this church prayed for me to be here. And I'm grateful for that. Um, That day I dedicated my life to Christ. Um, I haven't been perfect. I've made mistakes daily. Uh, But I know now that I'm a child of God. And that together we're raising our daughter to be one as well. So in 2015, Michelle's cancer came back. We got the news in January. And uh, when the doctor told us, we cried. We cried like babies right there in the room. I can only, I think back now, and I think about how uncomfortable that doctor had to feel as we sat there and just wept in front of him. Um, Because, I mean, we boohooed. But he, um, he excused himself, and we sat there still crying. Um. But it, it was, you know, we, God knew that we weren't ready at that time for that. Um, so they asked us to come back in January. I mean, sorry, in July. So we go back in July. Sorry. They called us two days later and told us that, um, that they were wrong. They had read the results wrong. Her cancer had not come back. But they wanted us to come back in July. And um, so we did. We go back in July. They were actually right in January. The cancer had come back. Um, so we had two options. She could do a biopsy and then wait for results, or she could have surgery. Michelle chose to have surgery. Um, and again, this all happened so quick. Uh, but Michelle had surgery in August of that year, and uh, she couldn't do radiation again, so she did She did chemo. And when I say she did chemo, it's, it's five pills, five days, Every 28 days for a solid year. And when I tell you that things had changed, things changed. Michelle never got sick. 
She got sick one time. She got sick one time because she didn't take the pill. The first time she had treatment, she do she flushed it down the toilet. Yeah, that's why you got sick. That's payback. Um, any, <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, our church loved on us. They our Sunday school got together and they they brought us meals the weeks that she was on on treatment and uh, it was such a huge relief. She had talked to someone at the at the church about um, how to treat the nausea and she she took this medicine and she never got sick. Um, I know now without a shadow of a doubt that that was God protecting us that year. Um, you know, I've always been grateful for what God's done in my life. Um, but I never thanked him for what he'd done. Um, I thank God daily for my, saving me, for my wife and my daughter. Um, I said earlier that I wanted a boy. I've told my wife this. There's no love like the love of a daughter. I didn't know that. I wanted a boy, but boy, God, God knew I needed a daughter. And he gave me one of the best. We had a women's ministry event about a month ago, and a lady gave her testimony. She mentioned that she was not a survivor. She was a conqueror. That stuck with me, and I came home and told Joey about her testimony and that I was a conqueror, not a survivor. I've had some health issues come up recently, and we don't know exactly what caused them or anything. But he kept telling me through all of it, you are a conqueror. We have this running joke about who loves who more. I feel I love him more, but he has been through so much because of me. He has went through it all with such grace, and he never once left my side. I can honestly say that he is a blessing from God to add to all the other blessings that I have. Again, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. This is the first that has always been our cornerstone, and God has this. Father God, we come to you now, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity uh, that you've given us, Lord, to just to come up here and share our story, Lord. Um, someone needs to hear it, um, and that's that's the reason you have me share it now and not in the past, Lord. I just pray uh, for whoever is listening, Lord, that uh, it's not too, just so you know, it's not too late, uh, that you can uh, give your life to Christ, Lord. We thank you for all that you do. Would you just be with us today? We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, will you let the Johnsons know how much you appreciate them sharing? So February 22nd, I, Joey, I went back and looked at the text. February 22nd, y'all texted me the verse that y'all were going to use. And I thought, man, that's a good one. I like that one. It's one of my favorites, too. And then that Friday, we had a doctor's appointment with Laney, yet another one, another different specialist. And we did not get the news that we wanted. It's not 
the end of the world. It's not, you know, we've got to do something immediate. Everything's going to fall apart. But it's just another one of those punches in the gut that you didn't expect. We thought we would go and they would say, yeah, we looked at the scan and everything. What the first one showed was really not there and everything's okay. And you guys are, you know, just head on out. And the doctor came in with a picture of a heart. And Becky, you know, when they bring a picture, probably not a good appointment. <laughs> so we didn't get the news we wanted. And, and just to be honest with you, I've, I've repented to God for this and I'm repenting to you for it. I did not handle it well. And I didn't want to talk about this. And God led me to talk about it last Wednesday night. And I was mad at him for that. And then he said, well, guess what Sunday's going to be? Because I was reminded of that verse. And when I saw that verse, I said, of course, that's what they're going to talk about. Because that's the verse that I completely ignored on Friday. And I had some pretty loud conversations with God Friday night, Saturday. I lost my cool a couple of times. I can tell you this. I shared this Wednesday night. God's big enough for you to yell at. He's not intimidated by you and your frustrations. He already knew you were going to be frustrated before you told him you were frustrated. Now let that seep in for a minute. That'll make your head hurt. So over the day Saturday, I really was going to God going, okay, I got to preach tomorrow and you're going to have to do something to fix this because I'm too mad at you to preach. And let me just tell you that he took me behind the woodshed Saturday. All day long Saturday, and every time I would try to pray, he would just, I mean, just listen. The Bible says he chastens those he loves. Well, he must love me a lot because he, he really wore me out Saturday. Put me in my place, and I repented. And I've still been working on some of that repentance even through the week, just trying to figure out what this means now and what, what's the next steps and, and all that. And so I went back to that to that passage that they talked about, and I read it again. And some, let me just encourage you, sometimes you need to go back and read Scripture. Sometimes you're like, oh, I know that verse. No, you don't. And you find yourself in a situation like, you, like they've talked about, like we've been in. Sometimes you're going to go back and read it. Let me, let me read it again. Don't worry about anything. Anything. There's no diagnosis that doesn't qualify for anything. There's no relationship issue, money issue, job issue, mental issue, government issue, world issue, universe issue that doesn't fall under everything. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, period. Present your requests to God, period. And then the very next word is and. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't very good in English, but you're not supposed to start a sentence with and, so there must be a reason. I see Austin over there nodding. That helps me feel better. Present your request to God, period, and it seems like there's something missing there. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what's missing. In our human mind, we would assume that it would say, don't worry about anything, give everything to God, present your request to him, and he'll, and he'll give you what you ask for. Present your request to God, and he will heal every single time. 
Present your request to God and he will make the next appointment a great appointment. Present your request to God and he will let your next pregnancy go perfectly. Present your request to God and he will put that boy or girl in your life that you're supposed to be with. Present your request to God and he's going to give you the dream job that you've always wanted. Present your request to God and he's going to give you a, a lottery ticket that's going to fall into your window as you're driving downtown. Present your request to God and he's going to do what you want him to do. And that's not what the text said. It says present your requests to God and he will give you peace. Here's where we mess up, church. We present our requests to God and then we annoy him with telling him what to do and how to do it. That's not your place. It's not your role. It's not my role. You see, I don't get to dictate to God how the doctor's appointment goes. I present my request to God. God is aware of what I want for my baby girl. God is aware of what I want to happen. And I present that to God and say, God, here it is. Here's what I would like. Here's, here's what's bothering me. Here's what's making me anxious. Here's what's concerning me. And then I put a period. And I trust him to do what only he can do. And I allow the peace of God that passes understanding to guard my heart. If you're here today and you have anything in your life that is making you anxious, that is stressing you out, that is worrying you, I, I know we've got people who are struggling with much bigger things than what we are struggling with. I know we are, we are surrounded by problems and concerns and things that stress us out. I want to remind you today that your job is not to fix it. Your job is to present it to God, period. And he is big enough to bring you peace. The peace that passes understanding, the peace that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I feel led to share this one other passage. It's in that same passage, Michelle, where that word is brought up. Romans 8, 37, No, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. What things? Back up a little bit. What can separate us from the love of Christ in verse 35? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or doctor's visit or financial issue or job problem or my party didn't win or my team didn't win or, or I don't like the way things are going? As it is written, because of you, we're being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. It's a lot worse for them than it is for us. Amen? And then he says that we're, we're conquerors. We're, we're more than conquerors. And here's why. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you are separated from him. You're never going to have peace until you have Christ. But if you have Christ, let me encourage you, present your petitions and prayers and then let God have it and accept his peace. You stand with me? If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you can come today and repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus. And then and only then can you start to know what peace is. Joey and I have very similar stories, very similar paths. And God interrupted a tragedy 
He wrote a love story. Not just a love story between a man and a woman, but a love story between a holy God and a wretched sinner that he made a son. If you've never experienced that, today can be the day for you. If you're here and you have something that is just bearing down on you and you feel like it's crushing you, the anxiety, the stress, the tension, the worry, I've got good news. You can leave that here today and you can walk out of this building with the peace of God that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But you've got to make the decision to let it go. If you're lost without Christ, you've got to let go of your own flesh, your own pride that tells you you can do it your way. And you've got to take hold of your cross. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're just here with a burden and you want to let it go. You want to take the chains of that burden and that anxiety off. You can do that today. I'm going to pray. When I say amen, the worship team is going to lead us in another song. When I say amen, if you need to be prayed over, you need somebody to pray for you, you need to come talk to somebody, I'm going to be here. We've got other folks, staff and others that will come. Don't leave this building today with your sin or with your stress. Our God is big enough to take care of both of them if you'll just give them to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and this time to be in your house around your people, to worship you in spirit and in truth, and to hear this amazing testimony of how good you have been to our friends, Joey and Michelle. Lord, I pray that you would take their testimony, uh, their transparency to share their burdens, to share their victories, and you'll use it to reach somebody here today that needs to know Christ, that needs to know peace. Father, I'm thankful that it's not my peace that we're looking for. It's not the world's peace we're looking for. It's your peace. So God, the God of all comfort, would you bring that peace today to somebody? If they're lost, God, I pray you would save them. If they're burdened, I pray that you would release them. Father God, do what only you can do, and we'll be careful to give you the glory. In Christ's name, amen.